yo, 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 check this out. This is Fresh Kid out the China, man, with the July Blue. Yo, yo, what's up, y'all? It's me, DMC. What's up, y'all? This is the boy, Master P. Yo, check us out. Chuck the public enemy. Yo, what's up? This is DJ Yellow from the world's most dangerous group. What's up? This is DLC. This is Jerry Heller, motherfuckers. Support DJ Paul K. Oil 361. Young Dizzy Ball. Vice One. Yo, this is DJ Ready Brand. What up, what up, what up? This is the real Rick Ross. You're listening to me on the Murder Master Music Show. What's up now, motherfucker? This is a show that shows the limits. Broadcast up and put the real. Interviews with legendary artists. Still got love for the underground field. Rappers with records revealed in addition to rappers that are coming up. Get them put on. We need to the platform to fight the beast. This show that you need to be on. Hit up future. Follow up with it.com for all of your needs, production and missing a master of records. Check out the archives and hundreds of shows, but he can come to the unit. Everything free to download this people. Yeah, we're going to turn the world We got the gold with me, we bought our bitch, we represent. All them killers on the mic, and we should love to all your fans. Motherfuckers wanna hate, do your big, we keep the focus. Bringing up and bust the river, coming to the dopest. I'm a man, man, go crazy, knocking on you. Unfortunately, it's going to be COVID-21 here in a little bit 
few more months because uh, <laughs> I don't think the way they're handling this the situation, um, man, we're doing so much worse than so many other countries. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. Right, right. It does seem like we're playing it a totally different way from every other country has played, and it seems like we're behind the ball with this one. Yeah, we're supposed to be number one, but it looks like, uh, you know, from the outside, we're falling apart. I was talking to a guy from England, and he's like, uh, over here, it's like our ship is sinking, but but we got buckets, and we're, we're, we're working to help each other. But when I look to the left, I see this giant cruise ship sinking, and it's on fire, and the captain's throwing gasoline on it. <laughs> I mean, that's a good analogy of what's going on here. From other yeah. countries' views, yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's what crazy. it seems like, right? Yeah, man. Well, you know, um, it doesn't seem but, like we're uh, all moving in the same direction. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, when you got shit leadership, uh, it shows around the world. You know, um, I think Canada the other day reported like only like twenty deaths, and we reported like almost two thousand. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's just, there's no excuse for that, none at all. Yeah, so. especially when the commander in chief's main focus is the next tweet. So, yeah, yeah, that's true. Politics from a social media platform, unreal. I mean, it's like a Twilight Zone episode. You can't make this shit up, you know. And it right. just seems to get worse. Right. Like, so. You can't believe you, you can't believe it can get worse, and it seems like he. <laughs> sets levels to top itself every day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Is that? I mean, the, the, this whole thing that's going on. Uh, what was your motivation to to do this project? I was able to just really with more time on my hands. I had made a promise to my brother a couple of years back. He passed in August of 2014 of lung cancer. And taking him back and forth to chemotherapy, just that ride alone, just talking to him about, you know, the music back in the day when we dropped the affiliated project, you know, down there with the artwork with pen and pictures. And he was just like, you know, just jokingly like, man, we're supposed to be rich right now, dude. Like, we could be doing so much right now. We're on the way to the doctor. And I was like, man... I know, I know. And he was like, man, you got to get back in your get it mode. You probably can't even rap no more. And I was like, man, I'll do a song just for you. And I'm going to call it get it mode. So I got with a couple of partners of mine, put together some studio time, got me a track, and I did it just for him. And I literally, like, watched my brother's eyes light up and start crying. And he was like, man, if you don't do nothing else, just do a mixtape. Just do one for me. And I was like, well, man, I'll do one for you. And, like, maybe four weeks, four to five weeks later, my brother died. Oh, man. So so I never got a chance to get him that complete, like, project. You know what I'm saying? So I had started on it, though. Like, literally had started on it. And I took that time and was like, you know, it was hard working on it and, it ain't easy as people think when you know who you're doing it for. You know, you're not doing it for, I want a thousand streams or a million streams. I want a million people to just hear it. I just really wanted to do it for him. So with that being said, with him being gone, it made it 
hard to stay focused and do it. Well, Corona put the brakes on the world. It slowed everything down to a complete halt. And I decided to, well, let's use this time wisely, so to speak. So I sent out a post to local friends and producers around my area, around through here. And I got to give a shout out to Play That Beat Wee Wee. You know, that's one of the top producers around here. He uh, sent me like 30-some beats, dude, at one time. So with that being said, I took that as a challenge to try to knock down many of them as I could. So the EP that I sent you, the one that you heard, the COVID-20, like that was all done in like one day, literally. That's, well, that's pure motivation right there. That's uh, uh, your brother. He pushed you to 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 to, to get it get it back in and do it. How long were you before your brother inspired you to do this? How long was it before you put anything out? Hey man, a true, true, honest answer. I hadn't released anything since around two thousand and two. Like it wow. had literally been. Yeah, it had literally it had been like 12 years before I had did anything when he asked me for it at that time. So so in a sense, this project is fulfilling your brother's dying wish. Uh, that's got to make you feel, uh, you know what I'm saying, very, very happy inside to know that you're able to do that for him. Right. And the... One of the biggest bonuses out of it, I have a son that's in the music now. And me and his life was strange apart due to, you know, growing up. He grew up with his mom, and that's a whole other story in itself. But at the end of the day, my son's incarcerated right now, and he's coming home next year. And we, we've grown a lot closer, you know. I guess it's by force, but God fixed it, so... He he does music now. So it was like my brother knew, like it wasn't over. So me doing this has opened the door for my son. So like man, it's it's so many blessings that's come from this. And you know like I know how hard it was to get stuff done back in the day. Nowadays you can email people tracks and beats and stuff. It's have someone it's so much simpler away. Now. Yeah. Yeah, it's so much simpler now. It's all about just getting it done. Man, I'm real glad to hear that, man, because it's almost as if your brother is living through what you and your son are about to do and are doing. Um, Like, he's right there with you guys, man. Um, Now, you said he had cancer. Um, You got a song here called Fuck Cancer. And uh, right. when you speak on those trips taking him, I, I know what that's like. I took my father uh, to chemotherapy, and I took my mother. See, my father passed in, in 2018, and uh, about a year later, my mother was diagnosed with cancer, breast cancer. She had the operation, and you know, uh, during this whole pandemic, we were taking her to and from uh, chemotherapy and radiation. So it's it, it's hell on the family too. You know, um, yeah, yeah, because like, like know. one of the lines in the song is so true, you slowly watch them shrink and shrivel. Yeah, you know, it's uh, 
And so, it, it, well, it, the thing that makes it uh, uh, very, very uh, rough to deal with, too, is knowing that in America they allow all these chemicals in just about everything. Um, California is the only state that puts cancer warning labels on products. Why not all the other states? Right. You know, it's, it shows right, me that right. it's a big business, and it hurts when you know you've lost somebody so some other asshole can put more money in their pocket. That's what makes yeah. makes the anger come out, you know? And then um, when you have a leader, that, then when you have a leader that's more worried about TikTok. Yeah. 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 So uh, the, the um, you know what I'm saying, the, the classic album that you put out, uh, BNOC affiliated. That's you and your brother, the one who passed. No, no, actually, that's another one of my partners. He's the one that started the group with me. That's Ice the Mac Ten. So. Oh, okay. So your brother did. Did your brother rap? No, not at all. My brother was strictly from the streets. Like he, he did his best to. To guide me, I guess that's the best way to say it. Like, if I was going to be out there, he was going to show me how to be out there. So, man, he he helped me avoid so many potholes and trenches in the streets. Like, I love him from that. Because, like, as in the song said, my dad passed when I was eight. So my brother was what I had. My brother got high in everything, truth be told. But... He he knew enough and he cared enough about me to make sure that I didn't do that. Yeah, he wanted you to uh, make yeah absolutely, you know, and that's uh, you know I think we go through hell so our loved ones don't have to, and that's what he was doing for you. Um, yeah, you know, just wanted you not to, yeah. to fall in the same pitfall. But you lost your father to cancer too, huh? Yeah, I lost my dad when I was eight years old. Yeah, you said that in the song, and I was like, "Oh man!" And, and then, then you speak about your brother. How hard was it for you to even do that song? I imagine it was pretty rough to write it. Extremely, because the crazy part about it, like I had wrote the verse about my dad years ago. Like, it was just on my heart. I wrote it, and I never recorded it. And then fast forward to my brother passing, I just felt like I had to. Like, I incorporated both of them. And I tried to explain through my eyes how both days felt. You know what I'm saying? Like, I literally remember waking up being eight years old, and I had got so used to seeing my dad go to the hospital. Like, when I came out of my room and seen, you know, the the EMTs and the little gurney, they rolling my dad down the hall, like, I was completely unfazed because I was used to it. I was like, well, you know, he's it's another bad day for Pop. They're going to take him to the doctor. You know, he'll be there for about a week or two, and he'll come on home. And, like, I literally remember standing on my front porch talking to uh, one of my friends across the street, and people started pulling back up and, you know, different family members and stuff. And I was like, man, mama ain't even here yet. All these people pulling up. So eventually my mom pulled up with one of my aunts, and they walked on in the house. 
And I said, man, all these people pulling up, I promise to God, dude. I was like, man, they acting like my daddy died or something. Like I literally remember being on the porch saying that. And then my mom calling me in the house and taking me and my sisters in the room, explaining to us what happened. Yeah, it's that's horrible to have to um, go through that. You know what I'm saying? And uh, unfortunately, we all, everybody, every one of us listening, every everybody, man, we're, we're gonna lose somebody close to us uh, to cancer, or we're potentially gonna have to battle it ourselves. It's horrible. It's such a widespread yeah. thing, and you wonder why nobody speaks about that. You don't hear any of these politicians talk about combating cancer or stopping it dead in its tracks. None at all, because it's a big business, you know. They it's rake in too business. much money. There's no, there's no money in the cure, exactly. Yeah, and that's a damn shame. Now, you go to some other countries, they will not poison you like that, you know what I'm saying? But the United States is like a Petri dish, like a lab experiment. They uh, uh, they don't care what they do to us. I mean, look at the, uh, the poor people of Flint, Michigan. They still have fucked water. Um... And they've been fighting for that for years. And it's the same with so many other uh, communities in, the, in this country. You know, you can't even get decent water. And this is supposed to be the number one country in the world. It doesn't make sense at all to me. Um, let's give them some, like, some realism, man. How, it's amazing how they sent out so many stimulus checks and all that when the virus hit. But you were saying for years, Flint water couldn't be fixed. Like, you know, where did all, all that money come pipes. from? Yeah, all it needed was, you know, clean pipes. Um, yeah, yeah, they could print money out of thin air if they want to. If they want to is the question. Um, you know, right. the virus hit. And, and another thing I'm no, noticing with this virus, you know, uh, they downplayed it in the beginning. And uh, Trump's base, uh, uh, I call them cultists because that's what they are. Uh, they're zombies. They, um, they're the ones making the spread um, to the point to where we can't have normalcy anymore because uh, they don't believe in wearing masks. They don't care about social distancing. Um, right. They ma- they're making it political. It's, th- this is not something to be political. You don't have balls just because you're not walking around with a mask on. That just says you're a moron. you got to fucking right. uh, pay attention to what's really going on. They're they're actually willingly participating in their own genocide and don't even realize it. It's insanity, brother. Man. It really is. Like how um, how can that be something to be upset about and it could potentially save your life? Like I don't get yeah. it. Like you tell me this mask is bothering you that much. It's uh, yeah, it's something that everybody has to do. You know, and, and you wear it because you not only to protect yourself, but to protect your loved ones. You know, you don't want to give it to to, to your elderly, your sick, your vulnerable. These motherfuckers don't care if they get their own grandmother sick and they, and she dies. It's, it's just it, it's it's fucking insane, it really is. Um, yeah. Let's give them this track, fuck cancer. And then we're going to come back and chop it up some more. I know my brother, Sim, from France, uh, he's going to want to talk to you as well. Um, We'll be right back with OGGB right here at BNOC in the Murder Master Music Show. COVID-20, you never lost. Fuck cancer. Fuck cancer. Everybody lost somebody. 
fuck cancer. Now at the age of eight, I attended my first wake, not even grasping the fact that my daddy just passed away. I was young and dumb, infatuated by seeing fam. Losing my pop, I promise, wasn't even part of no plan. I'm in my front yard, here comes a line full of cars. Quickly followed by her, cause see the first one is a hearse. We headed to church, my mom's a sister won't stop crying. My uncle hugging my brother, heard him whisper, daddy loves you. Look, this is the first time we met this bitch cancer. Tiptoeing through niggas' family, but this bitch ain't no Dancer, I remember the nights my mama staring at the phone, steady praying and wishing, hoping they say it's in remission. And with that phone, see these tears go harder. Imagine trying to explain your eight year old, he just like his father. But she did though, working over to feed folk. Where the hell you think I get this kidded mode? I'm on some old fuck camp. Yeah, rest in peace, CP. That was the story of my daddy. Always serious. I guess it's on the right. I tell Kill you about my boy. I remember the morning the phone rung, and I didn't get the answer. Yeah. I checked my voicemail. My brother got stage four cancer. Yeah. I heard it in the voice. My mama trying to sound strong, but see, this the same disease in the day that took my daddy home. My brother taught me how to sell dope and coke guns. Yeah. This loud pack got me dreaming of giving them both lungs. Yeah. Now, ever since the diagnosis was official, I slowly watched his body shrink and shrivel. Yeah. My mama watched my daddy fight and still die. Yeah. Gotta look at my brother and tell him still try. Yeah. Now it was in God's hand, plus we got these doctor visits. Yep. Radiation, chemotherapy, and plus prescription. Hey. Nigga, listen, huh. I'm in the yard on my knees, praying the pain to pass. These young niggas keep off them cash. Oh, it's fucking low tab. I'm on the back holding a yacht, which I could kill camper. Six months left, they say hospice is the only answer. Dang. That ain't the call you want, nigga. R.I.P. serious, man. I love y'all, man. My daddy and my R. brother. P, Fuck cancer. Anybody nigga. that lost somebody to cancer, this one's for y'all, man. Man, if if you can't feel that, then uh, you know you you don't know what good music is because that good music is supposed to hit you in the soul, man. That one hits you right in the chest because uh, especially if you lost somebody to cancer, um, man, that's that's got to be difficult for you to listen to, man. Uh, I know it is for me, man. It's, a, it's such a real song, though. It's got to be heard. Yeah, it, it it takes you somewhere every time you listen to it, like every time. Yeah, yeah, man, that's you know that's uh, um I commend you for doing that. A lot of people don't share that stuff with um you know what I'm saying their fans, um, but uh like definitely needed, definitely needed. Now the mixtape, uh, uh, what what's the name of the mixtape again, and where can they get it? COVID-20, and right now it's available on all streaming platforms. No matter where you go, I'm there. I'm on Tidal, Apple Music, iTunes, Spotify, TikTok, you name it, I'm there. Just look for me, G-B-O-G, COVID-20. What's it like to release something now versus early 2000s or the 90s? What's the main difference? Um... I guess the audience, like, it seems like the focus really isn't on full albums anymore. Creatively, it seems like the artist is always looking for the next single. Like, the attention span seems to be shorter now, so you got to be quick and quick and graceful with it, I guess the best way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, 
Yeah, it is. And like you said too earlier, it's a lot easier. Um, back in the day, it was a big production. You had to go to pay each person individually, the graphic artist, you know, the guy, the right. engineer, producer, the guest right. feature. You know, um, like now everybody can make covers like with their cell phone and stuff. And like that, I don't think they get that they miss that. Like, it's a great feeling, dude, to be talking to one of your friends like, dude, we're on our way to Houston, Texas, dude. We're going to take our first album cover picture with pen and pixel, dude. Like, that was big to us. You know what I'm saying? Like, they don't. They don't get that excitement anymore because they do everything themselves instantly right there at the touch of a tablet or a phone. So I think they yeah. kind of miss that aspect of it. Yeah, it was it was a different time, you know. Like you said, it, yeah. it was a bigger like to, to say I got an album out right now. Um, doors all across the country got distribution with Selecto yeah. hit. Yeah, you know, right, that was huge right. Back then. Did that give you guys a fan base around the globe? Actually, we did. We picked up a... It seemed like it started snowballing later after the fact when YouTube and stuff came out. Like, we really didn't know how big our fan base had spread to, like, we saw people upload our music on YouTube. And I didn't necessarily look at it like, Ooh, I'm looking like look at all the money I'm losing or the streams I'm losing. I saw it as wow, people still listen to us twenty years later. You, does that yeah. make sense? You know what I'm saying? Like, and to see the different places that it came from, like far as uh, Washington State all the way to Florida, from California all the way back up to New York to the Midwest, Missouri, and different places like had uploaded different songs of ours. That right there made me feel good. You know what I'm saying? It made me feel like we did good songs and people are still listening to them today. Yeah. Yeah. It stood the test of time. And it shows you that, you know, you can still do it now. Um, did it help Did it help you, you know, like, like, ease you back into getting ready to do another project or did this just come natural to you? Well, I believe it pretty much came natural because like I said, I'm amazed at how easy it is now. Like, you know, you could get with a producer and he can email you an infinite number of tracks and you can sit down and get it all together and then like, you can go to a pre-production studio. Somebody can come to your house with a laptop, you know what I'm saying, and get everything together before you hit the main studio and drop it. So, like, everything is simplified now, yeah. which is cool because compared to the way we used to move, like, it still gives you time to focus on other things, like the promotion of it and, you know what I'm saying, being able to talk to you guys, different stuff that back then – you were trying to do a thousand things, but everything was like a wait process. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I got I got to wait for the graphics guy to send me the files, uh, or, or the photographer to send me the picture before I could send to you for the magazine. Yeah, it was all a process, right. man. You know? Right. I right. Mean, <clears throat> because y'all y'all would send us the covers back and be like, "Well, is this one okay?" 
And okay, you guys got a half a page in Murder Dog, and you know what I'm saying? We'll take it from there. And you know what I'm saying? It was a complete process. A lot of people don't know what it what we went through before we made that magazine and stuff. Well, what ha- what happened as far as you know? What I'm saying the the foundation of BNOC. Like, how did the group start, and what era was that in? Like the 80s and 90s? It was pretty much the. It picked up around the mid nineties, I say around ninety five, ninety six. It was pretty much like a neighborhood thing. Like I guess it was like we had so many people in my neighborhood that who had moved from other different parts of the neighborhood and so called made I guess what they say the suburbs. Well, this is when we found out everybody in the suburbs didn't have money. You found out about stuff like section eight and all that old type stuff. So we walked around pretty much with a chip on our shoulder because we was always told from different hoods and stuff like, y'all out there, y'all got grass and yards, y'all bougie, you know, all the funny jokes and all of those stuff. So it went from wearing it as a badge of honor, like borrow niggas on cheese, you know what I'm saying? Like it was us. And we when we started hustling and running our own bags up, I mean, respect garnishes respect. Like, it wasn't no rah-rah like people do now. You got to run out and prove yourself and all that. Like, real recognize real. Once we started hustling and making our own bag and all of those stuff, like, it was no more, oh, well, that's doing them from the suburbs. It was like, nah, that's doing them from the hood. Yeah. You you made it. You clearly made it uh, an impact too in the mid south. Um, you know what I'm saying? There, there was a whole wave of people that were coming out at that time. Like I was seeing Cool Daddy Fresh, uh, Black and Jay. Um, who were some of the guys that you worked with in the Nashville area? Um, well, locally we never just put anything out. I believe only thing that we did release with other people were uh, Bottom Boy Records. We did a compilation with Quantic Cash now. Then we also did, oh, excuse me, another one with Strike One with Chris Kang and the guy C-Note now from out East Nashville. Those were two compilations that we featured on. But other than that, we basically just dropped those projects amongst ourselves solo, just trying to get ourselves out there and get our city known. Well, like I said, it withstood the test of time. I'm going to bring out my brother, Sim, from France because uh, I know he's got some questions for you. Uh, Sim, you there, brother? Yes, sir, yes, sir. Hi, Scott. Hi, legendary OGCB. Uh, it's an honor to have you on the show because you are a management pioneer. So it's very cool. Yeah. Um, can you tell us about the the processes of uh, production of uh, affiliated by the J, how it was to to do this 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 uh, this production this album. Well, I got with uh I got with one of the hottest producers in the city. Like I said, he sent me a plethora of tracks over the beginning of COVID when it first hit, when everybody was in quarantine. So I got with him and. It took about a day or two to just, you know, get back into my vibe and listen to the beats that he had sent me because I had ideas for all of them. And, like, I kind of want what I talk about to fit 
the track. So altogether, it took about a took about a about a ten day process to write everything, and I think I got everything recorded in about an hour and forty five minutes. Literally, like yeah. no no bragging, no nothing. It was just because everything was already written, memorized, and done. So by the time we hit the studio, it was straight to it. Yeah. And also you was on a, a regular record because you was on a, a Metal Mix Records. It's after the DJ Metal Mix. He's a legend in the South. Can you tell us about uh, about him and, uh, and, the, and the, the label back in the day? Yeah, DJ Mellow Mix, he was uh, one of our first mentors. We went, all went to high school together, actually. And um, he started out doing local parties and stuff like that. And once we started doing mixtapes in the city, he heard about us. And he had heard about the buzz we had created for ourselves. And he was like, hey, guys, I'm thinking about getting into this music stuff for real, like deeper than just mixtapes. He said, I'm interested in you guys dropping an album. How do y'all feel about that? And we were like, uh, the fact that you just got enough confidence in us to try, we took it from there. And uh, by him already having a, a name for doing parties and stuff, it pretty much caught everybody off guard because he was pretty much the college party DJ. So for him... To pick us up doing street music, it was like a shock, but it was such, I guess, captivating music that even they adapted to it. So that was our true first fan base, the people that followed him as a DJ. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> what I think about Nashville, Tennessee, uh, it's a way different of the Memphis sound. It's more influenced by Houston or New Orleans or, or Stravaus. You have a unique sound in in, uh, in Nashville. I think about Greenwell, about uh, about Capital Punishment Click or Pistol. Can I tell us about the the Nashville sound? Well, I I, I guess the best way to put it is we're. We're one of the last people to do the Ice Cube form of rap. I guess that's to say we love storytell rap. We love to take you places in our music. That's one of our yeah. biggest influences here. Like that's that's something we do, and we try our best to find our own lane. You know what I'm saying? Like we listen to other people, and I think. The best way to say it is our sound is influenced by Texas. Mine is anyway. Like Mr. Mike. I was like a big like I was Mike. a big Scarface, Big Mike fan and yeah. stuff like that. So. Yeah, I think about Mr. Mike of Stravaus. This type of lyricist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A monster, a true monster. He gave me a shout out the other day uh, on one of my birthday posts. Man, blew me away. The fact that he even liked my post, let me say it like that. I was like, wow, that's Mr. Mike, South Circle. 
You got a song was a bus when we must with a cool daddy fresh. How it was to do with this legend tour of Nashville? Man, it was cool. It was it was really cool. Like the fact that we could come together and put that together and um Big Hutch was the guy that produced the track on that beat right there. Like he was the mastermind behind that one. He saw he figured that that would be a cool sound to fit together. So he got with the people that were producing Fresh at the time, and he the one that actually put all that together. Well, fast forward to 2017, me and Cool Daddy Fresh got together again, just like on a tribute to the Fifth Ward boys out of Texas. If you remember, they had a yeah. song called Pussy Weed and Alcohol, PWA. Well, me and Cool Daddy Fresh got together, and uh, I went to him. I said, man, I got this idea for this song. I said, man, all these dudes is, like, dogging their kids and their gals and, you know, just just dumb stuff, you know, not no no reason behind it at all, just some old pussy-ass shit. I said, I think it's time these pussy niggas get exposed. And I was like, man. It's, it's got to be a, pe- a beat that's going to get them and catch them right off the muscle. And I said, well, it's an OG song. We're talking about an OG topic. Let's reach back and find a beat that we know will get their attention. And by we saying pussy niggas get exposed, to me, it just came to me like, man, we ought to try that pussy weed and alcohol instrumental. Let's just kill that. And we turned that into... Pussy niggas get exposed, and without any commercial, any fanfare, anything, people can look up the streams right now. It's over 5,000 streams organically. No streams bought or none of that with no commercials or anything. Oh, okay, yes. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a dope, dope cover, very unique. <laughs> Can you tell us about this song? Also, Tallahassee does a dope song too. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, we uh like everybody wanted to talk about selling dope on the corner, or selling dope out of the house. Nobody ever wanted to talk about how the dope got there. So we took it upon ourselves to start, you know what I'm saying? That was our forte, just take the trips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the same, but something different. You know what I'm saying? That was our artistic twist on it. Talk about how the, how the work actually got there. Yeah. It was a dope song. Very deep. You got this gamble funk. The deep, the deep blue sauce, yes. And uh, we would put it now, and uh, we come back, uh, so don't go nowhere. We are the Mr. Mesopotamia show. I got this case and now I'm headed back to the field. I set my cruises 65. 
for the trouble. But still I keep my mind on my heart. Just put niggas in cups and thugs who are dwelling. If these bitches cross the street, then I won't give these bitches cash. Trying to throw me in action strikes, but we ain't enough to bet. Now what? That's some whole shit. Yeah, nigga, just some more shit. We got to deal with it, but they don't know who they fucking with. We do be in OCGs down to cut your life like a knife. Fuck around and get smoked like a crack. So pass that drink so I can guzzle it. Tell them, oh, don't move a muscle. Cause we ain't gon' tussle. Cause they can't stop this fucking up. Yes, sir, yes, sir. <laughs> we are back on the uh, Murder Mazo Music Show with the OGGB of BNLC. And, uh, yes, it was uh, the eighth sound, the substance of Gambo Funk back in the day. And uh, nowadays, it's, it's still hard to, to have this type of sound, you know, this substance. Can you tell us about the, yeah. the maybe the, the sound now and the, <clears throat> the youngsters uh, don't have this, 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 this real essence, you know? <laughs> Maybe. Thank you, man. Thank you, man. Yeah. You got a second album was Vendetta, and uh, yes, it was produced also by Big Urge, so it was a classic. So, can you tell us about the uh, this one? The second album was a uh, Vendetta. Was our second album. Yes, sir. Devin, Devin, right there got a lot of underground play throughout the South region. And uh, <clears throat> can you tell us about the, the processes with uh, Big Hutch, how how it was to work with him? Big Hutch is a, he's a different kind of producer. He'll, he'll get it out of you. Like, he he's a king of the melodies. Like, he'll take a sound and he'll be like, what's that? And before you know it, he, I, the best way to put it, he's on some Timberland shit. Like, he'll take the average old song, and you'll be like, what you trying to do with that? And you'll come back, like, the next day, and you'll be like, ah, oh, wow, damn. So, yeah, he does his thing. So, to have somebody around there that can make beats like that, just at the spot, it only pushes you to write faster. And the faster you write, the more creative you got to be. So, you know, iron sharp is iron. It worked out for us. Yeah. Yeah, it's a genius. And uh, you got a song from my homies. Uh, it was a dope song, so can I tell us about this one? Yeah, for my homies is all a true story, the entire song. Uh, each verse, people took time to 
speak about friends that they lost. And at the time, I had lost like about four friends over the stretch of that year when we got ready to drop the album. So I decided to just give a clean 16 straight to the point, but then allow to still drop everybody's name that had passed in their verse. So, like, that was just, like, big to see them come up to me talking about, man, I appreciate you giving them a shout-out. Like, man, I'm glad somebody thought about them because, you know, this was way before people was really rocking T-shirts with their friends on them and all that. So the music was all you had when they left. Oh, yes. Yes, I'm just, and you got also some Wuju, just a dope, too, dope song or so, back to Jay. <clears throat> and um, how, how it was to grow up in the, in Nashville in the, in the 90s, uh, did you have, uh, did you know the, the pioneers before you, the very first maybe rapper in Nashville, back maybe in the 80s, do you know about, about it? Um, when I was coming up, even before I even thought about rapping, um, I knew a couple of guys that were going to the studio. Like I had a friend of mine lived a couple of houses up from me and he would like DJ actually cut and scratch for this group called the devastating crew. So they were actually the first guys I ever seen to come together, put a group together locally. You know what I'm saying? And but as far as success with people actually saying your name and wanting to come see you and all that, the biggest group out of Nashville at the time when I was coming up was the Blow Pop crew with Walter D and Blow Pop man. Like I actually saw people speak about that concert no different from a run DMC concert or anything like that. Like, dude, Blow Pop crew performing at the War Memorial. Like, those were, like, big shows back then. Um, after after the Blow Pop crew, of course, before Cool Daddy Fresh broke and went solo, he was part of a group called New Style Posse. That was a, uh, that was a dope group that came out of Nashville. You also had uh, a guy named MC Desire. He had a lot of radio spins on the college stations and stuff up here because he had a song actually talking about Nashville back in the day called The Ville. But, man, I could go on and on about underground artists around here. You had guys like Eric McAnally, Rollo B. Uh, man, the list goes on, man. CML, shout out to Top Notch and his crew. It was a lot of people, man. Yeah, Nashville. Yeah, you there? Yeah, Nashville. uh, It's one of those areas that uh, is very underrated because there's so much talent there. You know, um, like I was saying, like Black and Jay. I expose it here because the main market that gets pushed around, of course, obviously, is country music. So, a lot of people we get our exposure. Unfortunately, it happens to travel. But now with streams and music and YouTube and all that, it's kind of opening the market back up for our city again. We're, it's like all over again. We're creating our own lane again. 
But thanks to people like you giving us opportunities like this, and again, I say thank you. You know, we'll shine a little light on our city again. Yeah, and we love doing that because, um, you know, uh, you guys are still there. You know, uh, just the other day, MC8 dropped a new album. Uh, Public Enemy just dropped a new album. Paris dropped a new album. Um, it, it's good to see this. You know, and there should be no age limit in rap because no other music, you know, like, like for example, you know, Rolling Stone fans, when they, when they go on tour, they, you know, they want to go see them. You know, Willie Nelson drops yeah. a song. People want to go buy it. Why is it? Why do you think it is in rap? People uh, tend to put an age limit on it. Because we're the only one. We set the competition level so high. We always want to see the goat go. You know what I'm saying? Nobody, nobody. It's a dog eat dog competition, and it's sad like it sometimes because. We stigmatize ourselves with that because when our biggest problem, like you just said, you'll see a concert fan, the Rolling Stones, in Madison Square Garden, or you'll see Garth Brooks in the Staples Center. Now, the problem with what I just said about both of those, no disrespect to either one of them, but I never called either one of them old school, did I? No, not, not once. But see, every time we throw concerts, we label ourselves, so we cut off half our audience right there already. And and, and that happened early on in hip hop. I remember as a kid, uh, you go to like Coconuts or Music Land, and you would see these rap compilations. That I think they're called Rap Masters, and uh, they yeah. would it would say like old yeah, school hip hop tunes. And, and it, so they were doing it back then. They were already trying to phase out the Curtis Blows and the Kumo D's and cats like that. You know, and uh, yeah, I feel you, man. That's real talk. I never looked and, at it like that. And another, and another thing though, with this industry, the longer you're in it, the more you learn. Whereas most rock and roll groups and stuff, they're cultured into their music. Like their dad probably did it, or you know what I'm saying? They had a garage band and they went to the local pub somewhere and played and stuff. Like when hip hop. You really don't have those avenues, especially in Nashville. So, yeah, it, it's it's a hard hill to climb, and especially when you start labeling yourself. So, I think once we get away from telling ourselves we're having old school concerts and all that stuff right there, I think we'll put a staple back on our music and start getting back to good music with substance in it. Yeah, it, it, it's starting. I'm starting to see it right now. Like I said, that new Public Enemy records fire. They uh, they remade Fight the Power 2020. Um, they they even did a track with the BC Boys and Run DMC. I mean, any hip hop fan has been waiting for that for 40 years. You know, 35 years. Right. Uh, right. So it, it's it's good to see this happen, man. And, and just like yourself, you haven't dropped anything since. Uh, early 2000, so it's good to see you come back, man, and and I hope that this is the first of many more projects, Um, but uh, no doubt, man, and, and, you know, anytime you do drop, we definitely want you to come back and, uh, you know, uh, chop it up with us. We're going to get out of here. We got a couple more tracks, but before we do, I want to give you the floor. 
Um, if you got any shout outs or if you want to uh, give the people your info, man, it's all yours. All right. We're going to start out by saying this is GBOG, member of the BNOC. I got a new project out right now called COVID-20. It's available on all streaming platforms. Again, COVID-20, G-B-O-G, on all streaming platforms. I can be found on Instagram at B-N-O-C-G-B. That's at B-N-O-C-G-B. And on Facebook, I'm simply G. Johnson. We keep it simple, Mr. Johnson. (laughs) I appreciate y'all inviting me over to the Murder Dog Map show. Uh, I can't say thank you enough. I appreciate y'all coming by, uh, giving me this opportunity to talk, to speak about the songs, the new music, the old music. I can't say thank you enough. And, man, if y'all ever have any concerts or anything down that way, please invite me, man. I'm pulling up like diapers. Man, that's what I'm talking about right there. Uh, yeah, man, that, that's that's what's up. We're going to get out of here to a couple tracks. Thank you so much for uh, chopping it up with us. Uh, this one here is on everything, and then we got uh, all the time after that. Ask yourself, do your OG really got a bag? Is that nigga seen you get this shit that he never had? Them sucker missions got niggas fishing for open trucks. That phony look, cause if you get cracked, he can give a fuck. That type of nigga that'll tell you you do what he gotcha. And stop asking the phone soon as they heard it, they popped you. With fake stacks and fake straps, he swears clout. How he thugging that his bitch won't let him leave the house. All that pillar talking only catch a pillar case My OG's only taught a nigga how to feel a safe And when you feel it, start you a business, stay in your lane Get you a bitch with a bag and she'll never complain The game nigga, you lame niggas just probably miss it Go back and listen and apply it to shit that you miss it I'm still with it, no fucks giving this GB BNOC, real nigga OG, gang I make money all the time, all the time. And I'm a business all the time, all the time. I feel dope all the time, all the time. A nigga always on the grind, on the grind. I make money all the time, all the time. Yeah, head of my business all the time, all the time. Yeah, I sell dope all the time, all the time. A nigga always on the grind. Wait a minute, now I get it. Need no you the man. Can't stop my shine, can't stop my grind.
nigga always on the grind. On the grind. I make money all the time. All the time. Yeah, handle my business all the time. All the time. Yeah, I sell dope all the time. All the time. A nigga always on the grind. Put me work, work, work. You know I do it all the time. Flip a pack, pack, pack. You know I do it all the time. Bust a pack, pack, pack. You know I do it all the time. Load up the straps. Make money all the time, all the time. Handle my business all the time, all the time. I feel dope all the time, all the time. A nigga always on the grind, on the grind. I make money all the time, all the time. Yeah, handle my business all the time, all the time. Yeah, I feel dope all the time, all the time. A nigga always on the grind. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.